When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Let's go. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast on a Thursday morning. This week is taking forever. Let's get to game day. Let's get on a plane. Let's get to Morgantown, Oklahoma, West Virginia, slated for Saturday morning at 11 a.m. You know, you feel like that this week has been a really rough week for college football, but you saw a lot of it coming, right? The Ohio State-Michigan cancellation, that had been talked about as recently as I'd probably say it was as recently as early as you know Monday of last week. So when that came down, not really too much of a surprise. Hey, I waited to tape this on a Thursday morning just to make sure that everything kind of still seemed on track. And as we sit here today getting ready to drop the huddle reloaded, I'm feeling pretty good about things. And that could be the kiss of death. That, that could be by the time that you're listening to this, there might be some news on Saturday's game, but everything, and, and I've really concerned myself with one area and one area only, and that's Oklahoma. Everything for the Oklahoma Sooners seems to be on track for a showdown with West Virginia at 11 a.m. on Saturday. And I got to admit, I, I, I want them to play. I really do. I know that there's a lot of challenges because, you know, it's the longest trip in the Big 12 when you travel now, it's masks and face shields, and there's, you know, when you go to Morgantown, for those of us that maybe are kind of, I don't know, I don't consider myself a foodie, I just like food, but for those of us that like to sample the area cuisine, you're not going out, you're staying in your hotel, you're staying quarantined, you're staying safe, uh, I'll do whatever it takes to cover this football team, um, 
but, but regardless of all that, I, I want to see them play. I want to see them play another football game. I thought Saturday against Baylor, uh, when the defense leads you to a win, that's a great thing. But I want to see Spencer Rattler in this running game get on track and roll. And I think West Virginia is the best kind of challenge you can have rolling into the Big 12 championship game next week and against a really good Iowa State team who, over the last few weeks, Iowa State really seems to have found its rhythm. So uh, Toby and Teddy are coming up here in a bit. They're going to debate that from the Tuesday Night Huddle show. Uh, and, and obviously we're excited for the opportunity to watch Oklahoma play as they continue to put together one of the more impressive turnarounds that we've seen. I don't want to get too carried away here and say in, in Sooner history, but think about this. No Oklahoma Sooner football team has ever lost its first two conference games and still won a Big 12 championship or a Big 8 championship or whatever conference they were in before the Big 8. So it's the potential for history, and we know one thing for sure. OU and Iowa State will play in the Big 12 championship game on December 19th at 11 a.m., and we know one thing for sure. Oklahoma's ready for Saturday morning at 11 a.m. against West Virginia in Morgantown. All right, so let's get after it. Before Teddy and Toby take to the airwaves, I had a chance to sit down with Robert Barnes. And if you're somebody that just looks at the box score and and you look at yards and you look at tackles and those are the way that you gauge greatness, then you really missed an incredible performance from Robert Barnes on Saturday. Uh, For those not familiar with the young man's plight, uh, he's been battling injuries throughout his career. He's an an incredible physical specimen. He looks the part of a football player, but has been battling injuries. And so a couple years ago, last year to be exact, Brian Odom said, hey, why why don't you come in my room? Why why don't you and and Jamal Morris come in the inside backers room? And sure enough, he bulked up. I think what he's going to tell you, I think he had a 30-pound of muscle and made that move to inside backer for the 2020 season. But then on Saturday night against Baylor, the Sooners' secondary was decimated. Pat Fields was out. Buki was out. Woody Washington was out. So they needed some help at safety. So what did Robert Barnes do? He got the call. He shifted back to the position he had played at safety and was a a big-time difference maker for the Sooners on Saturday night. I talked to Robert this week about not just that adjustment, but being on the field and making a difference. Hey, what was that like for you, the the cross-training that goes into preparing and getting ready? How challenging was that? I mean, it was extremely fun um, from the time I got the message from Coach Grinch that uh, I was going to be playing safety. Um, I couldn't help but be excited. Um, you know, it was it was definitely a challenge that I was going to have to face throughout the week, just um, being heavier and um, just having having that kind of as, as a, I mean, you could kind of call it a disadvantage. But, you know, once I got in there, it, it wasn't a disadvantage at all. And, you know, I actually felt more comfortable and just, um, it, it was just a, a, a blessing to just be back at the at that position and be able to help the team in that way. What, what has that shift been like for you personally, Robert? We haven't really had a chance to talk to you too much, but what has it been like going from the secondary to that inside backers room? I mean, it's been fun. I mean, Coach Odom's an amazing coach. And, um, you know, over that quarantine period, it really helped me a lot with the transition um, just because I was able to kind of put on that weight. I, I gained 30 pounds over the over quarantine and just – um, being able to put that extra weight on and, and, and watch that extra film and, and not really have to do the physical side of the football um, aspect without spring ball and everything and just being able to focus strictly mentally was um, it was it was kind of a, a hidden blessing in quarantine. A lot of us gained 30 pounds over quarantine. You did it the right way, so kudos. Uh, so when you, when you got that opportunity, when you knew you were going to have that opportunity, how, how does the mind change? What's the game plan change like for you personally when you start thinking as a safety 
as opposed to thinking as a linebacker? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, like I said, as, as soon as I got the message, um, I kind of just went back to, I mean, you, you start having all these feelings like, will I be able to do it? Will I be able to run? Whatever. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big man of faith and I've been praying just for opportunity, you know, and um, when he texted me, I saw that as that opportunity. And, you know, the the shift mentally, um, you know, I think Coach Odom prepared me beyond words just from 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 being, um, you know, from safety to, to linebacker. He, he really taught me the game. And, um, you know, in his room, we have to know what the safeties are doing. We have to know what the corners. I mean, we're, we're the leaders of the defense as the linebackers. And, um, you know, the safeties are the leaders of the back end. So, um, you know, as as soon as as soon as I, I knew I was playing safety, I mean, Monday really everything just kind of started flowing, and I knew where the linebackers were fitting, so I, I kind of knew where I needed to fit. So it it all kind of started flowing, and then by Thursday and Friday, I was I was locked in, and uh, I was able to make the calls and ready to go. How how special fun was it for you in the final home game of the season to be out there and contribute? Because I know you've been out there on special teams, but you battled an injury. I know mm-hmm. we haven't talked about it much this year. You got out on the field and you get hurt, and that's just got to be gut-wrenching for you. Mm-hmm. You've been battling injuries last season. What was it like for you to get out there and make that impact on Saturday? I mean, it was, it was like I said Saturday, it was a blessing um, just to, to be out there with um, you know, Trey Brown, Trey Norwood, some of the guys that I had came in, you know, in my class and we all got our first start together. And just to, to be out there for the last home game of the season was 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 truly a blessing. I mean, that's that's really all I can say about it. All right. A couple quick ones. And I'll let you get out of here, Robert. First of all, now, do you go back to the backers room or is it Robert Barnes safety now going forward? I have no idea. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see where we'll have to see where they put me. Um, that, and then uh, to tag on to that, West Virginia, an opportunity to play again. You guys have clinched mm-hmm. a spot in the Big 12 championship game, but always challenging to go up to Morgantown and play. What about the. I guess you could say the want to to go out and have another game before you play in the Big 12 championship game. How excited are you to get out there and compete? I mean, this team, I mean, we don't back down from anything. And I think that everybody's extremely excited just to go showcase what we have before that big game. And, um, I mean, nobody in this locker room is taking it lightly. And, I mean, we definitely want to go out there, put our best foot forward and dominate those boys and prepare for that big one. All right, man. Congrats on the great performance. Good to see you out there on Saturday. Good luck next week, and Robert, we appreciate you. I appreciate you. Bye-bye. The term that's been used a lot is what, cross-training throughout this season? And there's a great example of a guy who is willing to do whatever it takes to help out the team. Kudos to Robert Barnes, and we appreciate him coming on the podcast. All right, let's get after it. It's time for the huddle. Toby and Ted take a look at all things OU West Virginia and take a look all across the Big 12 and college football. Let's go. Um, Oddly uh, fun about going to Morgantown for me. Really? Yeah, I enjoy going to Morgantown. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I'll tell you, uh, the 11 a.m. kick helps the trip quite a bit, but it's not that bad. It's kind of a cool area. I tell everyone, if you can can get there, the pain is getting there. If you can get there, it is a wonderful town. It is a lot of fun and beautiful as well. So uh, I agree with you. Playing a daytime game up there is going to be nice. 27-14, though, first over Baylor last Saturday night. What would you think? I, I thought it was a, a good football game. You know, I don't think we saw Oklahoma at their best, especially offensively. 
but I think a lot of that maybe is to be expected after being away five or six days with no practice, nothing going on, had to send everyone home. Uh, you expected a little bit of rust. They were missing some starters specifically on defense and uh, some contributors on offense as well. So in order to, uh, you know, go out there, get a win, I feel like that was a, a pretty good task. And, you know, defensively, the best thing about it was you had a day that was down for the offense and the defense stepped up and kind of carried the load. We haven't had that luxury in past years, so I thought that's what was so special about Saturday night. Did you go add weight to the football, the kicking footballs for Baylor? Was that, that was Saturday. weird, wasn't it? It's it really water, was. His waterlogged ball or something. I, I, it really was. He's a good kicker, but he couldn't get it there. Sooners got a field goal, uh, went up 3-0 opening drive. Baylor missed a couple. Trey Norwood got him a pick. And then the Sooner defense really just took over from there. Yep, that's the key right there. That defensive line, the way that they've played, pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, I, I, you can't say enough about that performance defensively, especially after a week where they're missing players, missing coaches, just a different week of practice. So the fact that they went out and played as good as they did against a good Baylor football team was really impressive. Third quarter action, Sooners leading 10-0. Nice play here. Rattler goes right, goes back left. Theo Weiss works his way open, back of the end zone, touchdown. Really nice play there. And Spencer was in scramble mode a little bit. Our offensive line didn't have their best night, and I think that changed some of the uh, the timing there in Spencer Rattler's head. He looked like he did a couple of times early in the season where it had a good pocket and he'd bail or, you know, just wasn't comfortable back there like we'd seen. So uh, just, again, can't comment enough on how, how good it was of the defense to perform the way they did on a wow. night when the offense didn't have it. What, what a play there. Play. DJ Graham with the interception. Sooners batted six balls off the line of scrimmage on the night. And Burkich from 50, I mean, right down the heart. Yeah, he hammered that one. And that I think that does a lot for his confidence. You know, he had missed a couple those long field goals that they've uh, trotted him out there for. So it was nice to see him finally get that 50-yarder. Early fourth quarter, Sooners leading 20 to 7. Little backyard football right here. Springing Ramondre Stevenson open after he does blocking for about eight or 10 seconds. Then they get down to the goal line. Rattler, oh, got a little lucky there. Found its way through the defender to Braden Willis for the score. No, uh, and that was a big one right there. Had that ball been picked off and they're going the other way, and you've only got a, a 20 to 7 lead, that could have been pretty hairy, but. Got the lucky little bounce there and scored the touchdown. The defense did its part whenever Baylor tried to come back and answer. That's how it ended. Isaiah Thomas with the sack, 27-14. The final, it guarantees Oklahoma a spot yet again in the Big 12 championship game. Just a look at the final stats. I don't know if you would have believed it if I told you before the game, Baylor would outgain Oklahoma and neither team would get to 300 yards of offense. Yeah, pretty shocking. You know, I, if you told me that we held Baylor to those statistics, yeah, I'd believe it. But the way we've been running the football and give Baylor some credit. They've come a long way this season and that defense played great against us. Had a really good game plan, but 76 yards rushing. I mean, and it's not for lack of trying. We ran the football, I think, over 30 times. So uh, the fact that they shut us down that much, I mean, it does make you wonder, is this kind of a return to early season whenever we had some trouble running the football? This is the first time we've seen it with Ramondre Stevenson back. Hopefully it's just a little blip on the radar. Should Sooner fans be concerned? That's what they want to know. Because that didn't look like the same offense 
we've seen the last month or so. I've battled it around a couple of times. I've, you know, I've gone one way or the other, but ultimately I settled back on the fact that I think this had way more to do with the team having to be away for an extended time. Uh, Five or six days without any type of practice is a, a long time in a football season. I mean, typically on a bye week or an idle week, you know, you'll have a day or two that you're off, but you're in there either doing some type of walkthrough, some type of practice, uh, meetings or something. You're doing that every single day. So, you know, five or six days totally away. That's a long time. So I'm hoping it's just a little bit of a rust. And a Baylor team that, honestly, I know it's a new coaching staff, but that's a team that's played us defensively really, really good the last couple times they've played us. Can you imagine if you and I spent five days away from each other, how terrible our chemistry would be? Brutal. Yeah. So you understand. I mean, at least they came out with the win. I don't know that we'd ever recover. That's probably true. Uh, player of the game. Who's your player of the game? I'm going to go with Theo Weiss. You know, offensively, it was tough to pick through, but I thought he was big. He was a go-to target out there for Spencer Rattler. They had a couple of plays. Here's one right there. Scramble drill was great for them. He also had the one there on the back line of the end zone where he's staying alive for Rattler. Uh, you know, is turned into the go-to conversion guy on third downs. We're starting to see what we saw a year ago with him with the yards after catch. Uh, so this is the one that I really like. Staying alive, staying alive. Now he's going to reverse and go back. And Rattler always knows he's going to have a guy running the back line of the end zone. And there's Theo Weiss. So I thought he was kind of a bright spot in an otherwise dull game for the offense. So I'm going with Theo Weiss. Third down Theo. T. Weezy. He's become um, really smooth. I mean, he's just he's such a good route runner and uh, – clutch plays like you said i'm gonna go defense and uh, i'll take isaiah thomas Mm. two and a half sacks on the night for big 95 who now is the big 12 leader in that category sacks per game that's amazing man coming into the year nobody guessed isaiah thomas would be leading the big 12 in sacks but I mean, he's he and uh, seven and eight up there just wrecking things for opponents. No, he's done a really good job. And that first pass rush we saw with him kind of running the hoop. There's another great one. Just a little dip under that tackle. Runs the hoop. They're good tight line to the quarterback. I mean, you're right. I mean, we expected some good things from Ronnie Perkins. And uh, it was an unknown with Perrion Winfrey, yeah. but had heard some really good things there that he could be a game changer. It's, it's really Isaiah Thomas, the guy that's blown us all away. And. Boy, he just, it seems like he started really strong, but still has continued to get better and better week in, week out. He's a big threat on our defense now. Opening segment highlights brought to you by McIntyre Law, Noble McIntyre. McIntyre Law is the law firm you should turn to for all of your personal injury needs. Let's take an opening timeout. When we come back, take a deeper dive into the Sooner offense and defense from Saturday night's win over Baylor. You're watching the Huddle is brought to you by Rudy's, bringing you the best in barbecue. Kincaid Coach, the official motor coach carrier of Sooner Athletics. AT&T 5G, the official 5G wireless network of OU Athletics. Homeland, a fresh experience. Proud sponsor of Sooner Football. The Sooner Sports Podcast is your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. Listen as Toby Rowland and Chris Plank talk all things Sooners. Log on to Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Presented by Allstate and Riverwind. Walden Cleaners and Laundry, where the difference is quality. Anheuser-Busch, whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there.
Welcome back to the huddle, everybody. Final week of the regular season. That's hard to believe. Remember all summer when we're just hoping we could have college football? We have reached the final week of the regular season. OU and West Virginia coming up Saturday morning, 11 a.m. in Morgantown. We're looking back at the win over Baylor, and it's time now for our drive of the game. Brought to you by Pike Pass, the fastest, safest, most efficient way to travel. Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas. Hey, Sooners, don't get past, get Pike Pass. 10-0 game, early third quarter, Teddy. Sooners take over in good field position. Yeah, and they start off, you know, passing here. Good field position there, and they're going to move the chains quickly with the nice little out route there to Theo Weiss. That's one that we saw in the previous little highlight reel. And Rattler was on, you know, in the passing game a good portion, but it, it was, you know, just the comfort level in the pocket that was a little bit different. Here's a nice little play there to Ramondre Stevenson that's, for the most part, defended pretty well. And we found a couple of different ways to get Ramondre the football out there in the passing game as well. Rattler with his feet, able to get a few yards forward. That'll bring up a third down, though. Nothing. I mean, there's not a lot of quick strike going on right. in this game Saturday. They had to work for it. A nice third down pickup there. Jaden Hazelwood. Yeah, good to see Hazelwood out there making a play and, and pretty good protection there on third down for Rattler. And here's the touchdown. Flushed right, flushed left. Throws across his body. Nice play. Nice job getting open by Theo Weiss. That is your drive of the game brought to you by Pike Pass. It's an important one, too. It took a tight game, made it a three-score game. And here's what it did for Lincoln Riley. He's now sitting on 43 wins as head coach. In his first four years at OU, that ties him with his assistant coach at practice last week, Bob Stoops, who won 43 games in his first four years. Lincoln has at least three opportunities to try to best that mark. And I think he's going to do it. So that's uh, going to be an impressive little feat there from Lincoln Riley because uh, that's a really good group of coaches. As we all know, uh, Coach Stoops got off to a really hot start. Um, you know, I, you can't say enough about Lincoln, honestly. And I, I just think it's amazing right now that his last three quarterbacks, as Jalen Hurts has now been named the starter headed into Sunday for the Eagles, his last three quarterbacks are all starting in the NFL. That is yeah. rare. I mean, how how fortunate are we? Just look at that list of coaches it's on crazy, that isn't it? graphic. That's amazing. Uh, all right, let's talk a little more about the OU offense and uh Spencer Rattler had uh, a sluggish game. I don't know that his running game helped him. I don't know if his offensive line helped him, but I tell you, Teddy, he he put the ball in danger more often than he has lately, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's right. And here you see, you know, it's it's just good coverage downfield, and he had the pressure in the pocket quite a bit. You know, even on some of these throws, and there's good protection there, but you'll see as the game went on, you know, and the protection continued to break down that he started even bailing out from the pocket whenever he had good protection. And that's that's what we saw early in the season when the offensive line was a little more shoddy. He was, you know, getting his eyes down and, and watching the rush instead of keeping him downfield. So, again, hopefully that is just an anomaly and this isn't something that we're going to see, you know, turn into a problem here late season. But, you know, Baylor's done some really good things against us the last couple of years. And, you know, West Virginia, really good, strong defensive line. That's the strength of their team, as we see. So they're going to be learning what Baylor did and trying to replicate some of those things, I'm sure. But all in all, even though he didn't have the running game and the pass protection wasn't what it's been, 
still had a good, solid, clean football game. So, you know, if if this is, you know, his worst of what we're complaining about, I think everyone else in the yeah. Big 12 is like, seriously, guys, look at those numbers. We'd kill for that right <laughs> That's now. That's a good point. I think the biggest mystery was the running game. Yeah. Uh, they've been getting better and better ever since 29 got back, really churning, and just seemed to hit a wall Saturday. Yeah, you know, I, a lot of it was – you know, the penetration stuff by Baylor defensively, they tackled really, really good on the second and third level. So some of those plays that typically turn into big chunk yardage for us never really got going because the linebackers would make the play or the safety down in the box would make the one-on-one play. So you do have to credit Baylor. And I'll say this, man, I think this is going to be a tough Baylor football team in the next couple of years. Weird year for them. I know it's weird for everyone, but even more so with them trying to replace a, an entire coaching staff. So uh, the way that they play, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it's going to be something to watch out for in coming years. I thought five ran the ball hard. He did. You know, and he came in and gave us a, a little burst. You know, Ramondre, he's 245 pounds, but, you know, Baylor had a lot of penetration. If he doesn't ever get that full steam ahead going downhill, he's not nearly as effective. But, man, whenever Pledger gets it, he is shot out of a cannon, yeah. and he's zero to 100 miles an hour instantly. And I thought he gave us a little bit of a breath of fresh air whenever he, he – it's a good change-up to Ramondre, a little different style. Yeah, I agree. And we'll hope the offense plays better Saturday. The defense, though, wow, what a performance again. They just keep beating better, and they really saved the bacon Saturday night. No, they did. Uh, you know, and Baylor essentially said in this game, as Brewer threw it, what, 56 times, we're not even going to try to run the ball against you guys. We know the strength of your team is that defensive line. We're going to spread you out. We're going to go empty a bunch. We're going to try and take the defensive line out of it. And they didn't do that. They were still a major factor, obviously, with the sacks that we've highlighted. But, Toby, they also batted six balls, yeah. which is amazing. And whenever a team says, we're going to spread you out, get the ball out of our hand quick, take the defensive line out of it, what's your counter to that? The guys have to know when the quarterback's going to throw the ball, find those windows, find the quarterback's eyes, and get your hand up and bat those balls down. And, you know, I'm not saying he completes all six of those, but six batted balls is a game changer when you put all those together. Those are drive extenders. Six batted balls from six different guys on that OU defense. One of the guys that stood out right there, number 32, Delarian Turner Yell, trouble we call him. He was asked because of all the guys missing Saturday to carry a heavy load, and he played well. He did. I thought he was fantastic. He was great on the back end. You see him coming up here in the running game and forcing the issue, and he's our heavy hitter. There he is beating a block and making the tackle all by himself. He had to play free safety. He had to play strong safety. You know, he was moving back and forth on different drives, and it's completely different to play those two different spots. Everything's basically backwards. You know, in, in one of them, you're the high guy, and the other, you're the low. So you've got to really know this defense back and forth, and he's done that. And just all together with a, a tough week of preparation uh, with Coach Grinch out for a little bit, just being able to be that kind of veteran guy. He's he's really the veteran leader on this team with, with the amount of snaps that he's taken there on the back end. So all in all, I thought he did a fantastic job. How about a little love for Brian Mead? Seven tackles on Saturday night. I thought he played good. You know, he came in and spelled a Guaybu quite a bit. Uh, did a really good job there. And, you know, special teams, he was also a factor. We saw him running down, covering yeah. some kicks and making some plays too. So, it's you know, it's that's the one thing that's really shown on this team. Whether it's Turner Yale playing a couple of different pos positions, 
It's uh, DJ Graham coming in, getting an interception. Mead, uh, Osamoa, Aguebu, just the the depth that we've got defensively, something that we haven't seen here in quite some time. Corey Roberson had a good night, I thought, on the defensive line. DJ Graham obviously had the pick that jumps out, but other than that, still, yeah. he's an impressive young kid. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll look at this week's opponent, West Virginia, coming up in Morgantown. You're watching The Huddle. The Huddle is brought to you by Rudy's, bringing you the best in barbecue. Academy Sports and Outdoors, the preferred sporting goods retailer of Sooner Sports. Anheuser-Busch, whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Riverwind, still the one. Here's the series history between OU and West Virginia. Only the 13th time they've ever played. Mountaineers have not been in the conference that long and haven't beaten them in Big 12 play. Last time West Virginia beat OU was in the Fiesta Bowl before they joined the conference. First meeting back in 1958. A lot of people remember when Jeff Hostetler came to town and upset the apple cart here. That's the other win that the Mountaineers have. But... Boy, Teddy, every time we've gone to Morgantown, including that last one you see there, 59, 56, yeah. they have been hang on to your hat affairs. Wild and woolly and lots of points usually. Yeah, the, um, the first time we went out there was an especially crazy one, and it feels like every time that you, you get uneasy walking into the stadium, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, let's take a look at the Mountaineers uh, as we go behind enemy lines. Brought to you by Riverwind. Riverwind is still the one. Starts really with the quarterback, Jared, Jared Dagey. Dagey having a quietly really solid year for them. Uh, he was great. You know, the last week or two, he hasn't done as well. But, you know, there for a time, he was right there. Equal with or leading uh, at times Spencer Rattler for yards in the Big 12 passing. And uh, their offense, you know, they've really done a good job at home. I don't know why the difference is probably just who they've played in the schedule at, at home or away, but they've done some really good things. You know, you got to give Neil Brown a ton of credit for turning this program around so quickly. And I know they're coming off a tough loss to Iowa State. That's a really good Iowa State team, especially up there in Ames. But they've done so good at getting to the run game, staying with the running game. Uh, Letty Brown has, has really led them back. And they're a lot better on the line of scrimmage offensive line than I really would have expected. Uh, here you see him going around the corner there. He's big back. He's got speed. He can make you miss in the hole or he can lower the shoulders, try and go get the first down. Uh, just a good all-around running back. And you mix that with a pretty good a group of wide receivers that they can spread the football around to makes for a nice offense. What about defensively? Yeah, they're led defensively by their D-line. We all know the Stills brothers. Uh, really good group there. There's some other guys that contribute for them. And one thing that we've always known with West Virginia, they've got big hitters. they got big hitters at the linebacker and uh, secondary spots. They're not going to overwhelm you, but they're really solid against the run, and they put pressure on the quarterback. I would say the weakness is their secondary, 
but can you protect the quarterback? Here you see him getting to Howard really quickly. Can you protect the quarterback long enough for your downfield concepts to really get going? That's the real question. If you can do that, you can pick them apart. But, you know, that's the that's the, the thing that we've really got to cue into. As we saw against Baylor, offensive line wasn't great. So going to have to really step it up because I would say that this West Virginia defensive line equal to or better than what we saw with Baylor. One of the guys uh, in the defensive backfield, Tyke Smith, has been uh, pretty good for them. And, of course, up front, Dante and Darius Stills. Those are the Stills brothers. Tony Fields, nice player for them yeah. as well. Here's a little uh, look at Tyke Smith. Yeah, good player. And here he is on the goal line sitting down there in that hook spot, uh, playing an RPO with, with really good distance there and eyes. He's a good player. They do a lot of stuff with him. They'll move him all over the field. Uh, he's a big play guy for them. They'll bring him off the edge some. And I imagine we could see quite a bit of it. You know, um, the, the number four kid from Baylor, I'm, I'm drawing a break. Is it Morgan? Christian Morgan uh, had a lot of success on some blitzes from the safety spot. Bet West Virginia is going to test that, see if we've improved that protection scheme a little bit for the safety stuff. So he's a guy that, that – very involved with what they do defensively. I'm having deja vu all over again. We've looked at all this West Virginia stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's once. right. We've done the show before, right? We just re-racked all the same highlights, <laughs> too, right. I think. Neil Brown, uh, second year in Morgantown. Really good job at Troy. Respected offensive coordinator working his way up through the ranks. And he you is... Know, transforming that program into it doesn't look the same as it did under Dana Holgerson. Now, I'm not saying he's equal, but he reminds me a little bit of Lincoln Riley. And the reason is because he's he came from the Texas Tech school, yep. right? And he's comes from the air raid school, uh, continues that goes to Kentucky, does the same thing uh, for the most part at Troy. But as he's got to West Virginia, he has tried to make the run game yep, exactly. a huge part of what they do. Now, he didn't come in and have Samaje Piran and Joe Mixon like uh, Lincoln Riley did. So it's been a little bit more of a grind for them. As we talked about last year, they were the worst team rushing in the Big 12, like two and a half yards a carry for the entirety of the season. Fast forward a year now, got a really good running attack. Letty Brown's done some good stuff for him. So just sticking with it, grinding it out a season ago when it looked like you're just banging your head against the wall, looks like it's paid some dividends for him. It's fa this is an example at West Virginia of something that's going on conference-wide that is fascinating the last couple of years because of coaching changes. West Virginia is moving a little bit away from the spread it out everywhere and run the ball. Texas Tech kind of moving away from they want to play defense they want to run the ball even Baylor That's right. you know what they used to do down there is throw it a, a hundred times and even before rule uh but now they're wanting to be more defensive minded Oklahoma's always run the ball well it's an interesting it's spreading around the conference well I mean here's the thing and it really doesn't take a genius to figure it out but it can take a, a you know a very well, you figured it out. So. That's right. That's a yeah. good point. It's just tough to convince someone of it because you're always trying to beat the best team in your conference, right, which has been Oklahoma. And, you know, people tried to, you know, go stride for stride with Oklahoma in, uh -huh. in these shootouts and couldn't get it done. Art Bryles, Cliff Kingsbury, Dana right. Holgerson. Well, the opposite end of that is, and if you look at some of the games they've lost, what do teams do? They hold the football and limit possessions instead of expanding possessions. If you give Oklahoma's offense 
15, 16 possessions, they've got a much more likelihood of beating you than if you can hold them to nine or 10 possessions. Right. If you can hold them to nine or 10 possessions, maybe get a turnover or two, maybe get a couple of big plays in special teams, you've got a chance to beat them. But if you just want to expand the game, make this thing a four-hour and 15-minute affair where every team's got 15, 16 opportunities to score, they're going to beat you every single time. So everyone's tried to contract those games against Oklahoma and give themselves a shot. Yeah, it's been uh, – I've enjoyed watching more defense and more running game in the conference. It's a different style, but it's still enjoyable. You know, you, it's some of the fun to see a third down every now and then. Yeah, no, so it's different. I mean, some of the low-scoring games are just because it's bad offense. Yeah. Some of the low-scoring games are great defensive stands, goal line stands, key yep. plays and key moments. So it's been – it's not the same Big 12 we've seen over the last decade, that's for sure. All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, let's look at some Big 12 highlights from last week. You're watching The Huddle, brought to you by Bud Light. We want to thank all of our Sooner Radio Network affiliates across the state and region. Fans can check out Soonersports.com for an affiliate in your area. And if you're traveling outside the state of Oklahoma, you can listen to all the action on either Sirius XM Radio or download the TuneIn app and listen free. OU's football games are available on Exodus 96.5 FM in Oklahoma City and 101.5 FM El Patron in Tulsa, as well as on those stations' websites. Each OU Spanish broadcast will feature a 30-minute pregame show and a 15-minute postgame show. Log on to Soonersports.com slash kids for information about joining the Sooner Junior Kids Club presented by OG&E. Brought to you in part by Orthodontics exclusively. Welcome back to Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. Toby and Teddy with you. Hey, coming up in the next hour this week, we've got a radio roundtable for you. No Lincoln Riley tonight. We'll be joined by our buddy Gabe Eichert and Chad McKee going to join us tonight as well. Love our good friend uh, Chad. You get to do the game day show with him. Yes, Great play-by-play -play guy. Chris Plank unable to be with us tonight. He's at his daughter's clarinet recital. Oh, or maybe man. it's a band concert, but it has to do with the clarinet. I I'm sure that's a ton of fun. I wish we were doing that. <laughs> I wish we could have covered that live. <laughs> Let's take a look at what happened in the Big 12 this week. We'll start in Manhattan, Kansas. Man, what got into the Texas Longhorns? 69-31. They ran all over the Cats. You know, and finally, their fan base maybe wants them to lose a football <laughs> game. They go out and almost hang 70 points uh, on Kansas State. So, uh, fantastic stuff there from them. I did not see this coming. I thought with no. all of the outside noise going, you know, I know Kansas State's really a shell of what they've been uh, since earlier in the season. But I, I expected a tight football game. I even picked Texas to go in there and lose to Kansas State. And it was a decent football game. I mean, here it is. It was a great run there by Deuce Vaughn. You know, it's 31-17. And Kansas State's trying to make something happen here coming out to the second half. And I look up, and all of a sudden, Texas blows the thing open. I think they scored 30-something points in the third quarter. And just a wild football game. And uh, Texas, their biggest out output of the year. Well, a couple of things. One, Kansas State's turning the ball over yeah. all of a sudden. They don't usually do that. And two, Texas, it took them a while, but they finally found their running back. Bijan Robinson is the real deal. He had 172 yards in this game. Thankfully, they didn't figure that out before we played him. 
down in Austin. He's a talented young man. He's a really good player. And, you know, they spread it out and, and run it to him. Usually their running has been all Sam Ellinger, but <laughs> it helps to have a nice running back in there, doesn't it? Kansas and Texas Tech played a bizarre game. I'm not sure either team wanted to be there. <laughs> that happened a lot. Final game of the season for both. And uh, Texas Tech's going to win this thing 16-13 in an uninspiring effort. Someone had to win it, I guess. And, uh, yeah, I would have thought, even though Texas Tech's had a, you know, they've struggled this year. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, they've got some good players. There's one right there putting it on the ground. So, Roderick Thompson's been a really good running back for them. And they've done some decent things at times. But, man, this was kind of a disaster for them. Hang on for the win, though to knock Kansas out 16-13. Did not see this one going that way at all. Fascinating game in Fort Worth, Texas between Oklahoma State and TCU. Cowboys look to have the better of it in the first half. They kept turning TCU, TCU over. They forced five turnovers in the game, and they still lost. Five turnovers and you score on defense and lose the football game. The odds of that happening are, you know, it's it's. I, I don't know that I've ever seen it. I'm sure it has, but it's so difficult to win a game whenever you turn it over twice, much less five times plus a defensive score. So uh, oh. interesting there. Oh, a little late. I like it. But TCU, hey, give them some credit. Max Duggan played a really nice game. You see him using his legs here. He's turned into somewhat of their version of Sam Ellinger. They're using yeah. him in the running game, and everything kind of goes through him. So uh, good to see TCU get that win. Oklahoma State, you know, they've fallen apart here down the stretch because i got to tell you, the Baylor team that we just saw on Saturday night, they've got a great chance of beating Oklahoma State. Are you giving away a pick? I'm, I'm just saying you, they've got a good chance. foreshadowing on your part? 22-21 here. Hang with this for a second. Fourth quarter, the Cowboys have a one-point lead. Duggan just heaves it up. And he found his man on the other end, Darius Davis, for the touchdown. Now, pretty big play there. And, you know, big plays like that have been hard to come by this year. And, and to throw one up like that and get that play was pretty big. And that really told the story right there. They got the two-point conversion. Then they get the pick in the end zone. And TCU has won four of their last five. 29-22 over the Cowboys. Davis ends up with 139 yards receiving. So not, not bad for TCU once they got through that tough front-loaded part of their schedule. Here's the updated Big 12 standings. Column on the left is what you need to pay attention to. It'll be o uh, Iowa State and OU for the Big 12 championship. Texas, OSU, a game back of the Sooners. Then you see TCU and West Virginia both at 4-4, four and four, and it goes down from there. I mean, Iowa State, they've earned that spot, 8-1 and on the year. Just think, if they don't lose that strange game out of the gate to Louisiana where they, you know, gave up a long kick return for a touchdown yeah. and turned the ball over, they just find a way to win that game somehow. They're probably right there knocking on the door with a chance to maybe make the college football playoff. I That's got to be a heartbreaker. I mean, they're number seven right now. I don't. We're going to see that here in a second, but... Imagine if they were nine and one instead of eight and two. Yeah, I mean, I you know. Imagine if, forget about Iowa State. Here's what. Oh, you hadn't lost a couple of games for a big portion of the season. They were just finding their way because Brock Purdy was inconsistent. He was turning the ball over. wasn't very accurate. 
Well, the last two or three weeks, Brock Purdy's turned into what we thought he might be this year. And that's a fantastic quarterback. I think like seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, he's run one in and been a decent threat in the running game. So they've got it going. We know the matchup now. Team's got to focus on West Virginia, but we're going to look ahead for a second. We know the Big 12 championship game. OU will be in it once again. It'll be the 12th time they've been in the game. They are 10 and one first appearance for Iowa State. Who were the total losers, the pathetic one loss that Oklahoma has in the Big 12 championship game? Who, who was on that team? The team in general. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll take the blame for the whole thing. It's a disgrace. I was not that good. I think about it very often. No, you anything, know, right? You're not reminded of it by your partner in the afternoons either. Horrible. Uh, so the Sooners will play for the title in the uh, championship game for the 12th time anyway. Uh, let's take a look at what happened around the rest of the country on Saturday. You know, usually this time of year, a lot of weird things start happening. Dominoes start falling. The path starts to open up for a team to get into the college football playoff. Not yet. Not no. yet. I mean, the teams that are supposed to win just keep winning this year, including Texas A&M. A&M went down to Auburn on Saturday. Tigers gave him a good tussle for about three quarters, but Aggies pulled away to win it, 31-20. Yeah, this was a great game, um, and Auburn played well. Like you said, they were leading in the fourth quarter, and, you know, one play kind of changed the entire momentum of the game, and they were just flying to the football. Pretty good little stand there from Auburn. Bo Nix looked good early, had a couple of really nice runs. Uh, here's one right here that's truly special for Bo Nix that – He's able to squirt out of that and find his way to the end zone and truck a guy on the way. But, yeah, give Texas A&M credit for going on the road. Tough game against top 25 opponent and getting the win. But I'll tell you, it was hairy late. And Kellen Mond, you know, while he got that touchdown to give them the lead, I believe, um, 21 to 20. Here's the play right here. It goes right through a guy's hands. If that ball's intercepted, we're in the fourth quarter now. I think this is a different football game. But... They got the break and then were able to get stops and capitalize and uh, even extend that lead there. So give Texas A&M credit. They're, they're getting those wins. You know, at this point in the season, the style points uh, really don't matter. It's just survive and advance, and they did that on the road. That's tough to do. Another good day for Isaiah Spiller on the ground. Maybe the most entertaining game of the day was in Myrtle Beach. Coastal Carolina and BYU took them about four days to arrange a game couple of undefeated teams looking for respect. They played on the teal turf, and Coastal is able to defend the home field. Yeah, great job. I mean, this was fun to watch. Everyone thought that BYU was just going to go in there and manhandle Coastal Carolina, but this team is, they've got some good players, and I think everyone was able to see that finally. Uh, they've got the big player, Gunter, on the edge. 94 is a really good player. Uh, you're going to see him right here yeah. on this highlight. But uh, Coastal Carolina, give them credit. They showed up and ran the football right at BYU, who's got the bigger players, and uh, they were able to win the football game. Had a good stand late whenever it looked like BYU was going to try and get one in the end zone there for for the win. So give Coastal Carolina credit. I think they are a legitimate football team. Uh, they're not the tier, Final obviously. Final four legitimate? No, oh, I mean, right. they're not on that tier, but they are a good, solid football team that, you know, deserves to be on the field with most anyone in the, the power five. That's the game right there. If he gets in, BYU wins the tackle, tackle at the one-yard line. We had a brawl in this game. 
That was a lot of fun. So Coastal stays unbeaten. Meanwhile, out west, Oregon thought to be a potential playoff contender. At one point, they fall again. Their second consecutive loss. Cal got them. 21-17. Cal was winless. Yeah, Oregon has now lost to what? Oregon State and Cal. That's pretty bad uh, for a team that a lot of people thought were just a shoe in uh, to make that conference championship game there. Not a good season for them. I know it's been difficult. It's a weird year. Uh, a lot of people are doing that, but they kind of put themselves in this situation with how late they started. So um, interesting to see Oregon in a tough spot like this. All right, so here's your updated college football playoff standings fresh off the press. Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State stays at four. Aggies at five. Not much different up top. Iowa State seven now. There you see OU still at 11. They've been at 11 every week. They stay right there. Coastal Carolina moves up to 13. Then you look at Texas at 20 and Oklahoma State at 22. There's still a path. It's going to take about three things to happen for OU to get there, but they're running out of time. No, they are. And, you know, with the Big Ten possibly changing their rules so Ohio State can make it to the championship game there, uh, that's going to hurt you a little bit. Uh, you know, you Unless still they lose it. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's talk about that for a second, because that that's the news of the day today. Ohio State and Michigan canceled Michigan and unable to uh, get to the starters gate because of COVID. But they say like 45 guys wouldn't be able to play right. if it was today or something like that. Ohio State's only got five games. According to the rules at the beginning of the season, the Big Ten set, you have to have played six games to be eligible for the conference championship game. So that's not going to happen unless they can throw something together here this week for Ohio State to play somebody else in the Big Ten that also lost a game, and, and maybe that could happen, although it's already Tuesday night. Um, so now they're going to, I guess, convene and say, well, we set the rules. We can change the rules if we want. Are you okay with that? Allowing them in even though they've played five games. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if I'm okay with it. I think it's ridiculous. They shouldn't have set those rules if they were going to change them. I mean, if the role was flipped and Indiana was in the same position that Ohio State is in right now, uh, where they were undefeated, um, they had beat Ohio State, but it didn't look like they were going to be able to um, make the required games to get into the championship. Do you think they would change the rules? Of course they wouldn't. No, they, I mean, this is because Ohio State is Ohio State, and, you know, they feel like they, they need representation in the college football playoff. It's a money thing. I get it. Everyone wants to make money. These conferences want to make money. But let's not act like this same, uh, you know, they would go through these same levels to get some of the other schools in these conferences in. It's all about Ohio State, which I don't even care if they play in the Big Ten Championship. I don't think they should go even if they win it. We're talking about a team that plays, what, six football games being compared with teams at that point that are going to have played 10 football games. It's ridiculous, especially after I had to listen to them hold the Big 12 out because of data points, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, data Baylor points. Baylor and TCU yeah, back in the day. They don't matter. You need Well, you need a 13th data point. Well, they're going to have six data points. They're about <laughs> five short, and we're just going to throw that out? I think it's ridiculous. Now, I get that we want to put the best teams in the college football playoff. I understand that. But the whole season is totally worthless if you don't have to earn it. What's the point playing any games? 
If you're just going to flat out put the teams that you think are the best because they've got the best recruiting rankings or whatever it is, then what's the point in doing any of it? That's what's frustrating to me. I get that the committee is going to put the best teams in, but there has to be some level of earning your way in. And unfortunately for Ohio State, because the Big Ten started so late, they're not going to have yeah. that opportunity. I agree with you for the most part. I do think it's 2020 and everything is weird this year. And so it's hard to kind of hold to hard and fast rules you've had in the past. And we're probably not going to set any precedents here in 2020. We're going to hold forward, I hope, going into the future, but it is frustrating for yep. the conferences that kind of had the foresight to maybe do it a different way and to get, you know, 10, 11 games in that a conference that is only going to get five or six games in is going to be able to also play for the national championship. All right, we'll take a break. We'll make our picks when we come back. Thank you to our Cornerstone Television partners, OU Health, Anheuser-Busch, and the OU College of Professional and Continuing Studies, and our community partners, Landers Auto Group, Coca-Cola, and OU Health. Our Big 12 report last segment was presented by Kincaid Coach, the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics. Time for our Pick'em segment. Here's how we did Last week, uh, yellow is good, white is bad. Tulane beat Memphis. Uh, Missouri got the win over Arkansas. TCU beat Oklahoma State. That was a good pick by both of us there, Teddy. Texas A&M, and we both missed on Wisconsin. How about the Hoosiers with the backup quarterback going up to Madison and winning? It's a good football team, man. I, I, like, how they, I like how they do things. Defense played really well whenever they had to. Um, you know, Wisconsin's a good football team. They've had a rough go of it this year, but... I like what I've seen from Indiana. Right. Solid, solid team. Um, if you didn't notice the margin there at the bottom, you need a good week. Yeah, you widened the gap on me too. USC at UCLA. Who you got this week? I'll take USC. Um, UCLA, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I know he's missed a couple of games here and there and has been better this year. But I think USC has better players. And uh, I think they get this win. It's going to be an ugly football game in my opinion, though. I think it's going to be tight. I'll give it to USC. If USC wins... They win the Pac-12 South. They haven't lost yet this year. This is a chance for you because I'm going to take UCLA. They coming off uh, UCLA is coming off a really nice win over Arizona State. DTR is back. Demetric Felton having a nice year for them. He's averaging over 100 yards a game on the ground. I'll take uh, UCLA, a fellow uh, Jordan brand as of today. I saw that. I was that? wondering why they weaseled out of that deal with Under Armour, oddly. <laughs> uh, I think that has to you know, Westbrook little tie-in there, too, as well. Yeah. So Russ probably worked that out for Pretty him. cool. Big Ten, Wisconsin at Iowa. I'm taking Iowa. I, I, it, and this is more about Wisconsin than it is Iowa. Iowa, solid football team. They run it well. They play defense. Uh, quarterback play is decent. I feel like Wisconsin has been through the ringer this year. And I'm not saying that necessarily they've given up, but the big grand hopes of this season – are gone, and I kind of get the feeling that that team's looking at the finish line. Totally agree. Wisconsin loses to Northwestern and and Indiana back-to-back. Iowa's won five in a row. Uh, I'm taking, for Bob Stoops' sake, I'm taking the Hawkeyes as well. 
Washington at Oregon. We keep figuring out a way to work Oregon into our show. I know. I know it. I think Kurt I, must be an Oregon fan. And we, we talked earlier after losses to Oregon State and Cal. I think it's kind of the same thing with this Oregon team. There's a lot of uh, squads that had high hopes this year that now aren't going to get there and are quickly looking at the finish line. I think these guys are tired of the protocols. Taking Washington? Tired of everything they're, they're going through. I'm taking Washington. Wow, another chance for you. I'll take Oregon. I don't know if they'll right the ship, so to speak, but I don't think they're going to lose three in a row. Ooh. And definitely at Autzen Stadium, I'll take Disaster. the Ducks. North Carolina and Miami in the ACC. Miami's been solid. You know, there was a lot of talk about Miami early in the season. They lost to Clemson, and everyone just kind of forgot about them. But they're continuing to play well, just have the one loss. Just hammered Duke, like 46-48 to zero. Yeah. Uh, the quarterback's still playing really well for them. De'Eric King, give me Miami to get the win. I'm going to take Miami, too. And I've never said this in my life, and I probably never will again, and I don't feel great about it. I feel bad for Miami. I feel yeah. like the ACC totally hosed them on this whole giving Clemson and Notre Dame a free pass to the championship game thing. I think they're angry. I think they want to prove a point. I think Miami's going to win the game. Oklahoma State and Baylor, last pick. I'm going with Baylor. Uh, again, it's kind of it's the theme in this round of picks, an Oklahoma State team that had big, big aspirations this year. Some people around here even picked them to win the Big 12. Uh, I was not one of them. I think you may have been. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I feel like they are just looking for the finish line, ready to end this season. And as we saw, this is a good Baylor football team that has just been scrapping and clawing all season. I feel like at this point, the way the season started, they're just happy to play a game every week. Right. And their defense has really improved. Uh, Charlie Brewer's done some decent things. Give me Baylor. Here's the problem. I don't know if they have any running backs left. They, Who cares? They, They're they, gonna they throw ran it out of six times. I'm gonna take Baylor though too because I think, like you, I think OSU's give a rip might be broken at this point. So I'll take the Bears. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast, The Huddle Reloaded. Thanks to Toby. Thanks to Ted. Thanks to uh, thanks to Robert Barnes, and thanks to you for listening. Hey, don't forget Sooners for Life is coming up. We have shifted that drop time to Saturday morning, so it's a nice little pregame listen. It'll drop very early in the morning on Saturday, and we've added. The OU Basketball post-game radio show, that's probably hitting your inbox right about now, too. So uh, a lot to come. And then tomorrow, uh, the Coach's Corner and the Scene Setter. So we got you covered here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Thanks, as always, for downloading and listening. And until tomorrow, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.